Hello and welcome back to Mercury in Aquarius. I'm Amelia, the creator and host, and last week we talked about how to bring your shadows to the surface and explore them. But exposing our shadow selves isn't the goal. The whole point of doing shadow work is to learn how to work with our shadows and grow beyond them. We can do this by retraining our thoughts. Now a lot of people are resistant to this idea because we don't want to recognize our power over our own mind. We'd rather blame our thoughts and behaviors on our environment or our upbringing or the voices in our brain that tell us we aren't enough. Defining ourselves by our thoughts and emotions or even our disorders keeps us from grasping that power. It is only when we separate ourselves from our mind can we fully take control over what happens in our head. Once we realize our own power, we have to take accountability for the decisions we've made, which is why most people are hesitant to. They don't want to feel power over their own thoughts and emotions because then they feel fully responsible for them. Yet accepting and owning this power over ourselves is what will enable true growth. Non-attachment allows us to shape our mind into what we want it to be. Even if it's not who we are, our mind is our home for this lifetime and we are allowed to make it a safe space for ourselves. Today, we're talking about how to retrain our thoughts by taking hold of the power within. By the end of this episode, I hope you are more in touch with your inner power and feel more empowered to take hold of your brain. You are building your reality every day from the inside out, and once you fully come to terms with that power, you can use it to make your life exactly what you want it to be. This is Mercury in Aquarius, talking about everything under the stars. Before we get started, I want to talk about the ways I've retrained my thoughts in the past. As I mentioned last week, I have OCD, which heavily affects the way someone thinks. OCD is a very complex disorder. It's different for everyone, but simply put, OCD is the combination of obsessive thoughts and compulsive habits. This means that there is a voice in your brain telling you irrational things, and this voice is only quieted when you complete a specific action. My OCD manifests in a lot of different ways, but my most noticeable trigger is the fear of contamination. My brain tells me that certain items are contaminated or traces the trail of different contaminants from object to object. These are the obsessions. I am laser focused on potential contaminants around me. In order to put these thoughts at ease, I have to wash my hands or clean my space. Then the voice in my head calms down. This is just one example of how my OCD affects me, but the whole idea is, my mind blurs together rational and irrational thoughts. For a long time, I did not know how to properly address my OCD. I didn't go to therapy, no one in my life had OCD, and I couldn't communicate how jumbled my mind was becoming. My mind became like my own personal torture chamber and I had no way out. I became consumed by my OCD, which affected my perception of reality. I constantly felt like I was in danger, I couldn't trust anything or anyone for years, and the worst part of it was I didn't have the mental capacity to separate myself from this fabricated danger. I could recognize that these thoughts were irrational, but my mind would try to rationalize these irrational thoughts. For example, have you ever run glass cups through the dishwasher and they have these water spots on them, like water that didn't fully dry? Anyway, my little paranoid brain would assume that these water spots were harmful chemicals or just straight up poison. And I would tell myself that they were harmless, just water spots. But that little voice in my head would insist otherwise and would figure out all the possible harmful chemicals it could be. So even though I knew it was irrational, I still wouldn't use the glass in the end. 
And growing up with OCD, I often could not determine what was safe and what was dangerous on my own. I relied on external validation like crazy. My poor mom. I used to ask her a hundred questions a day. Is this safe to eat? Should I wash my hands after touching the couch? Should I be worried about our dog's growth on his leg? Just constant questioning because I could not rationalize my mind by myself. I still need help gauging threat levels sometimes, but I've gotten a lot better about reassuring myself of my own safety. I'm not relying on external validation as my only source of comfort in taming my OCD. Because in the end, external validation will never bring me what I need. It brought me short-term mental stability, but only taught me that I could not find that stability by myself. And this is true of external validation of any kind. Of course, we all need it sometimes, but if you rely on it to stabilize your mind or your sense of self, you will never truly feel stable long-term because you aren't finding that strength inside yourself. I thought I was acquiring inner strength and combating my OCD when I started shutting down my intrusive thoughts. Over time, I learned how to push back against my intrusive thoughts and shut them down, calling them irrational and being pretty mean to these thoughts. I thought this was helping me overcome my disorder, Yet, counterintuitively, this spiraled into a very dangerous way of thinking. Since I could not fully determine which thoughts were rooted in my OCD and which thoughts came from me, I started shutting down every bad thought I had, including the ones that were rooted in genuine sadness or anger or loneliness. And this was incredibly harmful because I was subconsciously teaching myself to shut down all my negative thoughts. I could not trust myself to separate my thoughts from what my OCD was telling me. This way of thinking was detrimental to my self-esteem and mental health because I was just ignoring all the pain I was genuinely feeling. I pushed it away like I taught myself to do with my OCD. It was super fucked up. It took me a long time, years, to stop suppressing everything I felt or thought. Part of that came through shadow work, you know, bringing these thoughts to the surface and exploring them. But once I unveiled these thoughts, I worked to retrain them using dedicated spiritual practice and changing my fundamental view of myself. Let's get into it. Let's define exactly what it means to retrain your thoughts. What I'm talking about is changing the way you think and react to events in your life, replacing your negative self-talk with love, encouragement, and inner peace. Changing our thoughts will change our behaviors and change the type of energy we allow into our lives. The first step in retraining your thoughts is changing your fundamental perspective of yourself and the world. The best way to do this is to connect to your soul self and practice non-attachment. Accept your identity as a divine being and open yourself up to the oneness of humanity. Like I said last week, this allows you to see your thoughts and emotions from an objective perspective and sort through them. You cannot reshape what is consuming you. Plus, channeling the divine soul within means channeling pure love and compassion, which brings me to my next point. Treat your emotions like a friend. We often confront our worst thoughts with anger, like why am I feeling this way, I hate feeling this way, and these emotions are pointless. But you can't reshape your unfavorable thoughts with anger or resentment, because you are countering negativity with negativity. If your best friend was doing something to make you upset, Would you blow up at them and overly criticize them? I hope not. The most mature way to handle that type of situation is to approach your friend with civility and the desire for things to be better, not resentment. We are so quick to criticize ourselves for how we feel and judge our own emotions, but that's just adding resentment to an already resentful mindset. 
Instead, after separating yourself from your thoughts and emotions, start talking to them kindly with a desire to help your shadows. Because what good has ever come from degrading how you feel honestly? Honor your emotions because they are teaching you something about yourself. Now, I know this mindset may not make sense for all types of thoughts, like those who struggle with genuine intrusive thoughts or harmful thoughts, like me with my OCD. But there's a different way that you can deal with those emotions in a way that is not resentful, and I'll get into that toward the end of this episode. An effective way to channel this compassionate energy is meditation. And I know I mentioned meditation last week and the week before, and I'll probably keep mentioning it, but that's because it is incredibly powerful. Regularly meditating teaches us to redirect our thoughts to inner peace. I hear people say that they don't like meditating because they're bad at it, but that's the point. In meditating, you are repeatedly telling your mind to refocus or return to that inner silence. It takes years of meditative practice to simply close your eyes and completely tune out. I've been meditating for about a year and eight months now, pretty regularly, and I still don't maintain complete clarity when I'm meditating. In fact, I hardly ever do. When I sit down and I close my eyes and I make dedicated time for myself, a ton of thoughts are still swirling around in my brain. But the beauty of meditation is I can identify those thoughts more clearly and learn to set them aside to redirect to my mission, you know, to achieve that inner silence when I'm meditating. And you can take those skills with you when you're not meditating, because when you regularly practice redirecting your thoughts during meditation, you become better at redirecting them away from unfavorable thoughts when you're not meditating, just when you're going about your day. And that's why it's so helpful. Meditation reduces physical and emotional stress levels and brings us closer to our soul self. It opens us up to God, which in turn opens the gates for abundance and inner peace in this lifetime. If you're looking to advance spiritually, meditating is the single most important thing you can do. Another way of retraining your mind is through active manifestation. Now there's a lot of misconceptions surrounding manifestation today. I think so at least. I guess manifestation works however you believe it does. When I first started learning how to manifest, I learned about affirmations and what crystals to use and the power we hold to build our reality into what we want it to be. These are all components of manifestation, but these are just the tools. Real manifestation involves changing our fundamental perspective and mindset. Our manifestations are often motivated by dissatisfaction. We don't want to be poor, so we manifest money. We don't want to be lonely, so we manifest romance. We don't address the fundamental feelings motivated by manifestation. We also manifest to feed our desires, meaning we are fundamentally unhappy with our current state. And the truest form of manifestation is, ironically, being content with who we are because we are not actively chasing our desires. Recall in Buddhism that desire leads to unhappiness. So, if you want to retrain your thoughts, you first have to accept them as they are. I attended a masterclass from Mind Valley that featured Michael Beckwith, spiritual guru, and his view on the levels of consciousness we move through as we manifest. The first level is victim consciousness. Life is happening against you. You are fighting your way through life, a victim of your environment or your mind. The problem in this stage is you are accidentally manifesting your pain to continue. You may have heard the expression, where attention goes, energy flows, which is true in both a positive and negative perspective. When you are living with a victim consciousness, you are constantly thinking about how you don't want to be poor or you don't want to be sad, but with that mindset, 
all you're thinking about is the negativity in your life. And since your attention is going toward all that negativity, that's what you'll continue to feel and see. And what you feel and see is what you manifest. That's one of the first rules of manifestation. Feel and visualize what you are hoping to receive as if you have it now. Let that take up the space in your mind, not the negativity. For example, if you have horrible back pain and all you're thinking about is how bad your back hurts, your back is going to continue to hurt because that's where your energy is going toward. But if you focus your energy toward a different part of your body that feels good, eventually the pain will either dissolve or become less important and less present in your consciousness. The same goes for negative thoughts and emotions. This also ties into the concept of karma. Your present actions and thoughts create your future actions and thoughts. Which brings us to the next stage, building your reality. This is what we usually think of manifestation as doing regular affirmations, changing your language, and truly grasping how much power you have over your reality. In this stage, life is happening by you. You are the powerful creator of your reality. Michael Beckwith's third stage of manifestation is surrender, a concept we often resist in Western society because we don't like to give up control. Instead of actively working to change our lives, we surrender to life. We become a channel for life to experience itself. Here we become content with who we are, negative and positive, which opens the door for abundance to come into your life since your fundamental view on life is changed and you are now aligned with the vibration of peace. And in that stage, it is much easier to reach what you want. Finally, the fourth stage is merging with life, with God. You aren't the builder or the channel or the victim of life because you are life. Aligning yourself with this way of thinking is aligning yourself with the rest of existence. So in doing so, you can manifest anything in life because you are all that is. You are simply tapping into extensions of yourself. Does that make sense? What moves you through each stage of consciousness is the power of intention. One thing you hear a lot in New Age spirituality is asking the universe for your manifestation. And that's almost like praying, asking an outside force for what you want, or believing that the universe will provide answers you're looking for. That sounds a lot like Christianity, which a lot of New Age spiritualists ridicule. Yet when we manifest, we are actually asking ourselves to accept the opportunities presented to us that lead to that desire. We aren't asking the universe for what we want because we are the universe. It's that oneness we've been talking about. When you manifest, you are planting seeds in your subconscious to open the door for that manifestation to arrive in your life. This is why crystals can be so powerful when manifesting or retraining your thoughts. Crystals are essentially just rocks, let's be honest, but they are incredibly powerful because they come directly from Mother Earth. They have Mother Earth's energy within them, that raw, natural energy attached to them, and each type of crystal has a broad range of healing properties with that energy. But with the power of intention, you can program each crystal for one or two healing properties to make those properties stronger. You can do the same with your mind. This is why affirmations can be powerful. You're setting intentions for yourself. You're planting those seeds in your mind so they can blossom. For example, if you buy an amethyst point and you program it for manifestation, then every time you pick up that amethyst point, you will shift into a manifesting mindset. Or if you program a rose quartz to bring you love and compassion, you'll feel it every time you hold it. 
Sure, crystals do have natural healing powers, absolutely, but you have to exercise the power within you in order for crystals to bring you what you want. Some call this the placebo effect, but the placebo effect is just a fancy name for setting intentions, or manifesting even. If, if you believe your selenite stick will clear away negative energy, it will. And if you don't, I mean, I think it still will, but you won't notice it as much because your mind is not open to its healing properties. Affirmations do the same thing, if done correctly. If you are kind to yourself and accept yourself as you are, your mind is clearer when you set those intentions through affirmations, and the opportunities that present themselves that will bring you closer to achieving your manifestation will be more visible to you and easier to grasp. When you ask yourself something, you will subconsciously search for it everywhere you go. The universe doesn't just magically hand you what you're asking for. You are just more aware and more actively seeking it out through the power of intention. My favorite affirmations to use align with that second level of consciousness, building your reality. I haven't quite reached the surrender stage yet, or definitely not the merging with God stage, because I'm still learning to become comfortable enough with my somethingness before I evolve into nothingness. So here are some of my favorite affirmations for retraining my mind and gaining hold of my reality. I am the powerful creator of my reality, and my reality is a beautiful, loving, abundant place. I release guilt and shame from my past and replace it with love and positive change. My inner voice is encouraging, kind, and helps me succeed. My mind is a safe space for me, filled with love for others, love from others, love for myself, and love for life. I find the beauty in every situation, even in suffering. I see the highest outcome in every situation. I am growing and evolving. I am kind to myself when I make mistakes in my journey. I release worry and replace it with peace and acceptance for what is. I am connected to my soul self and can tap into that source of inner peace at any time. When I recite these affirmations, I use an amethyst programmed for manifestation and stare at myself in the mirror. As I say them, I feel and think exactly what I'm trying to achieve by saying them. I don't wish for them to come true in the future. I imagine they are already true. And by reciting these and visualizing these manifestations every morning, I seek them out throughout the day and they become true. I also use a Hindu mudra and a mantra that I chant eight times the Ram mantra, which enhances the power of the solar plexus chakra, which enhances my personal power to bring me what I want. Another way to retrain your mind is through the use of psychedelics. Let me preface though, psychedelics are not for everyone. I know that psychedelic use can have a negative impact on people with specific disorders like schizophrenia, but there is growing research on psychedelics and their positive impact on people. This is because psychedelics literally form new paths in your brain and expand your awareness beyond what it normally is. Yale News published an article on July 5th that explained new findings regarding psilocybin, the hallucinogenic compound found in magic mushrooms. The article stated that mushrooms can actually heal the neuronal connections in the brain that are impacted by depression. There's also countless spiritual gurus and communities around the world that use psychedelics like DMT or ayahuasca to promote spiritual growth and purge the mind of impurities. Spiritual teacher Ram Das brought LSD to hundreds of people for the purpose of expanding their consciousness to more divine realms. In fact, at the time, LSD was not yet illegal, and he literally called it medicine when he would bring it to these communities. 
I was talking to a friend about this portion of this episode, and they told me their experience with psychedelics, though they wish to remain anonymous because psychedelics are still illegal. They have ADHD, and they said that their mind felt clear for the first time ever when on mushrooms. They said they remembered going downstairs to get food out of the pantry and didn't have a single thought in their head. They were just purely observing what was happening around them. And that is not a unique experience. In his novel Be Here Now, Ram Dass said that he completely lost his sense of self when he tripped on mushrooms for the first time. Like I said though, psychedelics can have a negative impact on some people, so please do ample research before thinking about trying them, especially since they are still illegal. Also, it's important to remember the power of intention with psychedelics. If you're using them to have fun and get fucked up, that's what'll happen. But if you decide before you trip that you are tripping to learn new things about yourself or about existence, that's what will happen. But overall, psychedelics are an excellent tool in clearing away what is clouding your true consciousness. Some people think they are necessary for spiritual growth and leaving your ego behind. I don't agree with that. But I think they are a very powerful tool for retraining your mind and replacing old thought patterns when they're used right. Again, don't finish this podcast and go buy acid from the first dealer you meet. Do research and examine whether or not you're in the mental state to face some of your shadows or thought processes head on, because psychedelics will do that to you. But at the same time, I know several people who have used psychedelics and had incredibly positive experiences regarding changing their view of their self or clearing away negative thoughts or emotions. So it really depends on where you are in life and of course your set and setting. Finally, the last method I use to retrain my thoughts seems counterproductive, and that is sitting with your thoughts. I kind of touched on this when talking about surrendering to life, accepting your thoughts for what they are. By allowing your thoughts to just exist in your mind, you aren't giving them too much power. You aren't fueling them with more negativity or being consumed by them by constantly dissecting every thought that floats into your brain. This also externalizes those thoughts because eventually they just become noise in your brain. They're not you, you're not attached to them. And by allowing your destructive thoughts to exist without feeding into them diminishes their power over time. While you shouldn't ignore every thought, learning to sit with some unfavorable or intrusive thoughts without fueling their fire is far more beneficial than countering them with hate and anger. There is a well-known spiritual practice called catch and release that is very effective at retraining your thoughts. This is the act of identifying a thought as it passes and catching it, so to speak, examining its roots, and then releasing it just as quick. This is where shadow work comes into play, because shadow work makes it easier for you to catch thoughts. You're not attached to them and you see a thought drift across your mind. You catch it, you examine why you're feeling that way and where that thought is stemming from, and then you release it instead of fueling it. Practicing catch and release makes it easier for you to understand when you are spiraling into negative thought patterns and release those thought patterns easier. There's a YouTuber I really like, Vishuddha Das, who has an entire video on this thought process. Check it out for more details. In conclusion, retraining your thoughts does not just mean getting rid of bad thoughts. It also means not letting the thoughts in your mind control you. You cannot rid yourself of all negativity at first, but you can maintain it and change the way you view it which makes it easier to manage. And when you connect with your true source of consciousness, you realize your thoughts are just thoughts. They are drifting through you like clouds in the sky. And with dedicated time and practice, you can more easily choose the thoughts that cross your mind, or at least choose which thoughts you entertain. 
We assume that the only way to live is the way we are currently living, that we are forever a product of our environment or upbringing or our thoughts and emotions, but that's not true. Think about a time you convinced yourself something negative was true. A common thought pattern I hear is, I'm convinced my friends hate me. And think about how true and real that thought was for you, to the point where it was reality for you, even if it wasn't true of your friends. Now, in retraining your thoughts, you can learn how to take hold of that thought and talk it down, manage it, and make it so that thought is no longer controlling you and isn't your reality. And you can instead accept the love in that is there instead of convincing yourself otherwise. We are constantly building our own reality because our reality is our perception. If we change that perception from fear, anxiety, depression, and negativity to love, peace, and compassion, our external surroundings will reflect that change too. We have enough power within us to take hold of our lives at any moment. What will you do with that power? What thoughts are you hoping to retrain? What do you do to retrain those thoughts? I'd love to hear from you. My Instagram handle is at Mercury in Aquarius with periods between each word. Join me next week as I talk about my take on today's hookup culture and modern day gender dynamics. Thanks for tuning in and have a lovely day, beautiful soul. If you liked the intro music, be sure to check out bedroom pop artist Vanna's full debut album, Priori, out on all streaming platforms today. That's P-R-I-O-R-I. And thank you to Lily Johnson for our incredible logo. Check out more of Lily's art on Instagram at artbylilyk and follow Vanna on Instagram at Savannah Baker. Special thanks to these two.